The following podcast will contain spoilers and explicit language. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Other Wrestling Show. My name is Joel and I'm here as always with Mike. And today we are going to break down the Double or Nothing 2021 pay-per-view event. Starting with the buy-in. Our only match on the buy-in card was Riho versus Serena Deeb for the NWA Women's Championship. This match was a ton of fun. <clears throat> um, let it be known, Joel, that I I am up one nothing with this match. Um, okay, I we picked... can we can get this out of the way right now. This was an abysmal show for both of us from a predictions <laughs> perspective. Who actually uh, won? I honestly don't. I don't know. I don't remember. Uh, all the you did. Um, because I actually like picked with my heart on a couple of things and you were like, I want to pick this, but I'm not going to. Um, (laughs) and those were the two matches that made the difference. So I picked four matches correctly. I picked four matches correctly out of 11. You picked six matches correctly out of 11. So we both get an F. And, uh, I think that's the last, last, an F is still an F, bro. (laughs) Hey, hey, it's better. (laughs) <laughs> congratulations well, anywho, on your f plus you i i enjoy it anywho this was a fun match um yes i thought this was a great way to kick off the show uh I, it took me a little bit to get used to because we haven't had the stage set up like this at daily's place for a long time so mm-hmm. some of the camera angles at first is like oh yeah this is what it looks like when they film with this setup so um uh, but this was fun serena d wrestled with a more uh, even more aggressive style and heel like than we saw in her last match. Um, so I, I don't know if we need the like the standard. Hey, they're a heel now. I think she's a heel now. I think she's had this kind of progression over her last few matches on TV. Well, this is what she is. This is who she is, and she just has a really good grasp on it. She's very physical. Um, some of her facial expressions too. I was really impressed with. I guess we haven't had a chance to see that as much since she's um been here with aw holding the nwa championship so yeah really good and it's great seeing rio back i think the biggest news from this joel is rio's living stateside now yeah um which i think is a big deal um in terms of kind of reintegrating rio into the aw women's division because she's kind of been in and out um over the course of the pandemic so uh it'd be great to have rio consistently on tv again and probably someone who could have an early early feud with uh our new women's champion, uh, Britt Baker. So, but yeah, this was fun. What are your thoughts on this, Joel? Yeah, I, I really liked seeing this style from Serena Deeb. And I'm curious to see as we, she's kind of adjacent to the AEW women's division. She's the NWA champion. Mm-hmm. Pretty much all of her matches revolve around the NWA championship. Uh, and I, I think she's going to kind of be a chameleon here. And work a more heel or babyface style, depending on who she's facing. Uh, kind of like she's from another territory and just coming in to do spot shows. You know, you don't come in with your specific gimmick of, okay, I'm, you know, white meat babyface. I'm going to uphold the rules and and do the right thing. Uh, or, you know, I'm an evil, wicked heel. I think she's going to kind of be whatever she needs to be for each match. Uh, mm-hmm. especially since she's not really involved in ongoing feuds or storylines. Uh, pretty much all of her matches in AEW have been one-off affairs 
And I think that's probably going to be a pattern that continues. Her role within AEW is mostly as a coach and a trainer, is my understanding. So all these matches that we get, they're a bonus, they're gravy. Uh, but most of her performing is centered around that NWA title. So um, I definitely think Riho being back is a big deal. And I'm excited to see what she does. Um, but I also want to see some other women within the division uh, get more action. So specifically, I'm thinking, of course, as I always am about Big Swole, I want to see her challenge. She had a great feud with Britt Baker previously that did not have a title involved. And at some point before the end of 2021, I want to see those two run it back this time with the title involved. Let's take it up a level and make it happen. I'm looking at Big Swole as I'm not going to think about it until she's back because obviously something's up that she's been gone for what? Six, seven, eight months now with. Well, she's wrestling not, matches. Is she? Yeah, she's wrestling on Dark. Is she wrestling on Dark? Okay. I yeah, just. She's been teaming with Red Velvet. Okay. Um, yeah. There's a there's a natural story there that they continue. Um, you know, the reason I think Rio can make sense is that you don't really need to build her up again. She's the former champion. Mm-hmm. Makes sense there. So, um, yeah, it, it's. We'll, we'll talk about Britt Baker in the women's division a bit more later in the show. So. Um, why don't we, uh, why don't we move on here, Joel, and get to the the main card? Yeah. So kicking off the show was a banger between Adam Page and Brian Cage, non-title match. And, uh, we saw Adam Page get the victory here and it kind of played out exactly the way that I expected it to with team Taz trying to get involved, Brian Cage rejecting their, attempts at offering assistance and the distraction creating an opening for Adam page to hit the buckshot lariat and get the victory. So uh, I don't think these two necessarily need to be done. They're even up one match a piece and they both won under dubious circumstances. So I think we could get a rubber match, possibly a cage match or a similar gimmick style match to avoid any kind of interference from the outside, since kind of both of the wins that they have, both Adam and Brian, are kind of tainted here. Uh, We both picked Paige to win this match. Mike, what were your thoughts? It lived up to hype. It was fun. Um, It was really just two super freak athletes. Cage is one of the just... (laughs) <laughs> the most incredible people in AEW. He had a spot where he suplexed uh, Paige out of the ring onto the entrance ramp. And I think I've mentioned before how I always find that spot so cool because, yeah, they're they're helping you, but man, that it looks cool. It just looks really impressive when someone does that. And I don't know, maybe Brian Cage legit could just deadlift <laughs> Hangman Page like that. And what I also liked is some Attitude Era... Uh, finisher stealing attempts here. We had Brian Cage attempt the uh, buckshot lariat, and then uh, Page hit his own kind of F five looking moves. So um, that was always my favorite thing to do when the old video games were stealing finishers. Um, I always loved like, especially when they didn't have like the weight uh, things involved, like in the newer <laughs> games. So you just be Rey Mysterio, and you would like choke slam the Big Show. Yeah, yeah, Phenomenal. that was a that was a time. That was a, that was a whole thing. So yeah, I agree. That was fun to see shades of The Rock and Stone Cold or Triple H and The Rock. So uh, definitely love to see that stuff. Yeah, and I think the big question from this from this match is: Do what happens with Brian Cage and Team Taz? Um, 
he seemed kind of done with them post match. Uh, so very easily could lead to a split here. But dude, it's Team Taz too. It could it could be an act. It could be an act. <laughs> like it's a way to draw Hangman Page in even further. So who knows? Um, it definitely. Uh, I same thing with how I wanted the Inner Circle to break up. I kind of want Brian Cage to leave. I kind of want Brian Cage to kind of do his own thing here going forward because Team Taz has Ricky Starks and, and Powerhouse Hobbs. Like, that can be your foundation and you can have Brian Cage go out and do something different. I agree. Well, next up is a match that I think we're going to have a lot to talk about. The Oh, sorry. I'm skipping over one. Uh, but I think <laughs> we'll have a lot to talk about here as well. The AEW Tag Team Championship match. We both picked Mox and Kingston to win and take the belts off the Bucks. The Bucks won this match um after uh, i i thought a really convincing performance this was a really good match lots of fun stuff happened here um i did feel like moxley and kingston should have gotten the win i was a little disappointed that the bucks won um but you know this feud is far from over uh i don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing but i think there's still unfinished business and bad blood between these groups we saw involvement in this match from other members of the super elite and um, we also saw Frankie Kazarian get involved and he has adopted the moniker, the elite hunter. So mm -hmm. lots going on here. Mike, what are your initial impressions from this tag team championship match? Honestly, that was kind of my like favorite thing about the match was Frankie Kazarian coming out. Um, Cause we talked about him just being a, an assassin here. Um, and Kazarian aesthetic wise, like, looks like he could be part of a group with with moxley and kingston like he could very easily mm -hmm. slide into this uh the story and kind of um be a natural fit so i like that and yeah the ending was surprising i thought we we were both pretty convinced that the belts were going to change here and the way that it ended with moxley how many bte triggers did he eat four i think it was four yeah uh, that's a brutal spot, and usually that just takes one to get the W here. Um, so that was a, a really interesting way for this match to end. And yeah, I, it definitely feels like this can keep going. It does, you know, dirt sheet stuff. It does seem like Renee uh, is close to her due date. So maybe that's why this wasn't the time to put the belts on Moxley and Kingston. Because um, you could could have Moxley go away and have for a few weeks and have Kingston and Kazarian do some stuff here to keep this story uh, going here. Um, and Joel, how disappointed were you that the shoot, the Dior Nikes weren't, uh, weren't dangling from anything? Yeah. It, you know, they did a little vignette on Friday night dynamite where they were like burying the shoes somewhere mm -hmm. in an undisclosed location, but then the shoes were at the pay-per-view. And so like, I, I don't know. I feel like there's a lot of missed opportunity with the shoes and like I get the utility of bringing out the stolen item to ringside. That's a time honored tradition in pro wrestling. Mm -hmm. I remember, um, Oh gosh, who was it who stole Kurt angles, Olympic medals and was bringing them out to the ring back in the day. Was that, was that Eddie? I think it might've been. Um, but anyway, that's what it reminded me of was Kurt Angle's gold medals being stolen and brought out to the ring. And uh, I, I enjoy that. I just thought there was 
more fun to be had from a character authenticity perspective, particularly for Kingston um, with the shoes. So, oh, well. Yeah, I'm sorry there, buddy. But um, what I what I one of my favorite spots in this match, too, was the kind of uh, kind of s- small throwback to how uh, Moxley lost the AW championship. Um, he ate the microphone to the dome and he ate the uh, sorry, he ate the spray can to the face in this one. And he was pretty bloody the rest of the match. Like, I think I tweeted at one point, I'm like, Moxie looks like hell. <laughs> yeah, uh, it was, uh, you know, I don't think Moxley can have a pay-per-view match and not get color. I think it's like, nope, in his contract, like that he specifically requested in his contract. Hey, I want to get color at every pay-per-view. <laughs> There, there was also a moment in this match that I really love where Kingston, I think he had won the Bucks in like a submission move, and like Matt Jackson came up and like punched him in the face, and he like no sold it, and Kingston's face was like, "The hell are you doing?" And like let go of the submission and just kind of like went after him. I, I, I just, oh, Eddie Kingston's so goddamn good. <laughs> He's so good. Um, yeah, there was a lot of fun stuff, and I was really impressed with the innovative offense that Moxley and Kingston put together. Uh, there was a lot of creativity on display in this match. Of course, the Bucks always have creative and interesting offense, but uh, I-, I was impressed with some of the tag team moves that Moxley and Kingston came up with. So this was a fun one for sure. Yeah, the, I'm just going through my list here of th- like spots from this match that I liked. Uh, God, Moxley had Matt on like the mat in the chokehold, and Matt rolled out of it, and like it was like a split second, and then Nick hit the 450 splash. Like if there's any yeah. delay in that, they mm-hmm. would like Matt would eat the 450 as well. Uh, I thought the Doomsday advice where they used the doors to the, the the shoes to the face, yep, was was cool. God, uh, Nick Jackson escaped the paradigm shift with like rolling over Moxley's shoulder. It was, yeah, that flip out like, was really cool. That's the best yeah. DDT escape I think I've ever seen. Yep, yep. It, God, th- so many stuff in this match you could point to, and obviously we're not going to be able to get to it to everything. Um, but this was this might have been my one like either my favorite or my second favorite match of the night. I really enjoyed this. I thought the story they told, um, and just the shit heels winning again, like it's just it's gonna feel so good when they when they drop these belts, man. Yeah, definitely. So oh, next one last uh, one. Oh, one last one. I liked Moxley no selling the super kick party and where he kicked out at one. Like, yep. <laughs> it's just I think like, that's oh, something shit. he picked up in Japan. I really do yeah. because, like, the kick out at one is totally a thing in New Japan, and it's something that I hadn't seen really in American wrestling much at all mm-hmm. in the last decade. And um, he went to Japan, he came back, and and that's been featured pretty heavily in AEW. The kick out at one pops up every now and then, and I always love it. Huge pop. Yeah. Yep. All right, we better move on. Yes. So next up was the Casino Battle Royal. Griff Garrison, Brian Pillman Jr., Preston Vance, Stu Grayson, Nick Camarado, QT Marshall was out and replaced by Aaron Solo, Lee Johnson, Dustin Rhodes, Anthony Bowens, Max Caster, Penta, Isaiah Cassidy, Mark Quinn, Matt Seidel, Matt Hardy, Will Hobbs, Evil Uno, Colt Cabana, Jungle Boy, Christian Cage, and Leo Rush. The TBD, who was in and out of the match in very little time, but... (laughs) That did not stop him from having an impressive performance and reminding everybody just how freaking quick he is. Yeah, Leo Rush rules, man. I go back to that event we saw in Orlando. Uh, was that yeah. that chaotic ladder match he was in? And like, it's it's different seeing Leo Rush in person 
because you realize how small he is in person too. Like, um, but you can also see how fast he is, how uh, agile he is, how like got he's got ups. Like, it, it, I was really nervous, Joel, when you, I was like, "Oh yeah, Joel's got the Joker. I wonder who it's gonna be." Uh, and there were rumors throughout the day. You know, Sammy Callahan tweeted, "I want to play poker tonight." Uh, was it Danhausen, your your guy? You were talking about? Yeah, Danhausen. I'm a little disappointed that he didn't pop up at all. I know he signed to Ring of Honor, so mm-hmm. the odds were long. But you never know these days. Yeah. So, but yeah, the Leo Rush spot was cool, and um, you know, I was I was really hoping that my guy uh, Christian would pull it out, but Jungle Boy finally wins the big one. We and. Jungle Boy versus Kenny Omega in two weeks, Joel. That's going to be something special. Like, that's going to be a really fun match. And that's a must see. Like, I got to make sure I got no plans going on that night so I can watch it live. Yeah, I'm not sure. Like, obviously, it's different being in the building to know for certain, like, who got the biggest pop of -hmm. the night. Jungle Boy winning that battle royal got a massive massive pop on tv and it had to be up there like adam page got a huge pop but he was also like the first match of the main card so you're always going to get a little bit of a bump there uh brit baker got a huge pop orange cassidy got a huge pop but i don't know if anything was bigger than jungle boy winning the battle royal i mean it was loud and then everybody was singing along to his music and dancing and it was a big moment um, in terms of other stuff that happened in this match, I was almost right. I was almost right. Um, <laughs> Will Hobbs did not eliminate Christian Cage. Christian Cage eliminated Will Hobbs, but they still had their moment in the match. And I do think that the feud between Christian Cage mm-hmm. and Team Taz is going to continue. Uh, so that was cool. Uh, there was a big pop for Max Caster when he came yes. out in this match. And uh, I think it kind of caught him off guard because it seemed to throw off his rap a little bit um he had an an awkward section where he just was like yo yo Yo. like seven times in a row yo and it's like (laughs) okay yeah all right get to it we we know what's coming and uh but he did good he did good i like i enjoy max caster i think he's a, a fun person and uh he i'm always surprised by how big he is like he's yeah. a lot bigger than you think he is. And then you see him in the ring next to someone like Dustin Rhodes and you know, he looks appropriately sized to be out there. So uh, good yeah. for him. And, um, and his raps were they, uh, giving him a mic is, uh, is can be risky. So the fact that his opening raps were pretty, pretty tame. Uh, the line about Christian, not having his edge, uh, I love not that. having an edge. Huge yeah. pop. Huge pop. <laughs> I even told you what the one that I liked. I can't remember all of it now. This is why I, we we usually need to record night of so Mike can remember shit. Um, but yeah, he's he's a star. Uh, he, he we always talked about the Randy Orton test in WWE. So yeah. you probably we we talked about it offline last night. But probably Christian Cage and Cody Rhodes are probably your AEW test. And Caster looked pretty good throwing those punches there with Christian cage. Um, so they're building them up the right way. It's going to be a slow build. Like we've seen, seen them do with their other characters, but I wouldn't be surprised within the next year or something where we're talking about Max, Max Caster and the kind of upper tier of young talent in AEW. 
And Joel, one last thing about this match, because it's a, it's a battle royal. There's a lot of stuff going on. The little stare down between Christian and Matt Hardy, like, uh, old Attitude Era Mike was marking out for that. That was that was fun just to see well, them in the ring the, together. This is the fourth different decade that they've been <laughs> in a battle royal together, yep. which is kind of yep. crazy. Can't so seem to get rid of neat. each other, man. <laughs> yeah, it's true. They're they're doomed to uh, repeat their their cycle of violence. Um, I had a couple other things from this match that I thought were interesting. Uh, in my opinion, best gear of the night, Penta. Yes. With that Joker-inspired uh, Lucha outfit. Just looked absolutely fantastic. And uh, just really dug his whole vibe. And uh, he was another one who got a huge pop in this match. So the fans remember and are still very into Penta. And, and we're going to see him back at the top of the card sooner rather than later. Um, and uh, the last thing, I loved Mark Quinn and Isaiah Cassidy just being in street clothes and mm-hmm. coming out and, and not really trying to win the match, but just being out there to support Matt Hardy because he threatened their finances if they didn't get him to win the match. And uh, I thought that was a fun little side story that was going on. And uh, they had some fun spots in this match. Uh, AEW does a really good job with battle Royale style matches. And uh, I dug it. Yeah. I I know that we've had um, shows with fans with AEW, but this kind of felt like this felt different. Double or nothing. Um, I feel like the fans made an impact. Like you said, Max Caster didn't really like he, he seemed off by the cheers he was getting. Uh, Christian Cage was getting booed uh, by fans during his, you know, final stuff with Jungle Boy. And I think he eliminated cast. He might have eliminated Caster. Um, and, you know, we'll, we saw some other things throughout the night. So I, this just kind of felt like, wow, live wrestling is back, at least to me. Yeah, I agree. And um you know, I think part of why someone like Christian gets booed in that spot is he doesn't need it. He doesn't need this win, right? He can challenge for the championship because he's Christian motherfucking cage. Jungle Boy needs wins like this. These are part mm-hmm. of him building his history and building his resume as a performer. And battle royales are a chance to elevate somebody. There's literally mm-hmm. no way to elevate Christian Cage. He is as high as he can get. So, you know, the only thing you can do is, if you're smart, is put someone in a position to win who's going to benefit from it and whose status is going to be elevated. And clearly, Jungle Boy is over with the fans. So let's start racking up these wins and putting him in a position to be a legitimate contender for the AEW World Championship. Also, how he saved himself from elimination, like swinging around the turnbuckle... That, they got that shot perfect. That looked awesome. That yeah. looked awesome. All right, Joel, why don't we move on to our uh, least favorite match of the night? I think we can both say. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, Cody Rhodes versus Anthony Agogo. And uh, Cody Rhodes got the victory in his uh, seemingly Homelander-inspired gear, the character Homelander from The Boys. Uh, not exactly someone you want to emulate. Um, but I think that's a little bit of Cody leaning into, uh, the, the 
reaction that he got from his promo the other night and this feud in general, because he's a savvy guy. Um, Anthony Agogo lost this match, and I, I thought he looked pretty good. This was his first real match where we got to see him do more than just run around the ring and punch people. So um, I was impressed by some of the moves he pulled out. I think his moveset makes sense. He's pulling a lot from the Kurt Angle playbook. Now, obviously, he's not Kurt Angle, but it makes sense. He's an Olympian. He's got the same body type as Kurt Angle. And um, it looked natural seeing him pull out some of this stuff. It's clear that he's got a lot of power in that body. And I think there's a lot of potential here. And I'm excited to see his future within the company because I think he's going to be really good. Um, It is going to take time to make that transition to being a full-time professional wrestler, but it's clear that he's got the chops to do it and he's just going to get better and better. I'm glad you went the positive route here, Joel, because I, I don't think I will. (laughs) Ogogo looked great. Like for his first match on the big stage. Great. One, if you're going to tell for one night only you're the American dream and you come out like that, not, anything dusty inspired fuck you like like i'm sorry you don't need to make that whole statement for one night i'll be the american no just be your fucking self like like that was disappointing because it was a real chance to do something cool and different and of course no we just got the continuation of this usa all the way storyline and joel i picked cody to win because i felt like they would give cody the win but God, there is no reason a go-go should have lost his debut match on such a big stage like this. Like, like you said it yourself last week, like the road's way is to lose, to put people over. Like that's what Dusty was known for. And I was really nervous in my picks. Cause I was like, you know what? Joel's probably right. Like this is a great time to, to shine one up for a new star here. And it, it was just disappointing. And I think this match was slow. I think it had to be, cause I think it was, they had to plan probably most detail beforehand. So it was very, uh, you know, sometimes you can tell when the wrestlers are kind of improving and, and they have their big spots planned, but this felt very mm-hmm. by the book. And I, I think it kind of killed the momentum of the show a bit. Um, I think I, it was I really tough having this match and Miro versus Lance Archer, which was going to be a slower paced match by definition, back to back. I think yeah. these matches should have been further apart from each other on the card because, you know, this was a slower paced match, like you said. And, you know, as athletic as Mira and Lance are, and that's a match that I really enjoyed. We'll talk about that mm-hmm. in a minute. But that was also a slower paced match. And it did kind of create this sag in the energy level in the middle of the card. Now, that is kind of a normal thing to have happen as well. Everybody's really excited out the gate. People start to flag a little bit and then people get excited for the really high profile matches to end the card. Um, But I agree. I think the placement of this match could have been better and wouldn't have made it such a stark contrast, like coming off of the battle Royal, which was just chaos and Mm -hmm. then elation at jungle boy winning. And then we get this Cody Rhodes, a go-go match that I don't think people were super excited about going into. It was kind of shrouded in this, you know, little bit of negativity stemming from the the promos leading into the match. 
Um, and then that weigh in segment on Friday was just yeah, weird. one of the worst segments on AEW television, like ever. That was yeah. so slow and stilted and just did no favors to building up this match and this feud. So uh, I think the takeaway here, if you want to be positive, is a go-go can be the real deal. He's not quite there yet. He needs more time. He's green. But power, athleticism, ability, it's all there. He just needs some polish. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think a good thing about this match, too, is it wasn't long. It was like right around 10 minutes. Uh, it was one of the shorter matches on the card. So thank God they didn't they didn't have this drag out a little longer. Uh, I think that would have been a, an issue. And I texted this last night, Joel, that kind of Cody hasn't really done a ton since he's dropped the TNT title where we're like, yeah, yeah, thumbs up. That was great. Um, so I kind of wonder what the Cody Rhodes direction is here moving forward. Um, he's mentioned how he doesn't want to be a heel, which obviously that could change in a heartbeat because it's wrestling. And then he still has that AEW world championship ban over his head where I now am starting to think that that was a big mistake. Not that we need Cody in the championship feud all the time, but like right now, like if you wanted to have a bridge feud until you get to hangman page, Kenny Omega, Cody Rhodes would be a money feud. But you can't do that yeah. right now because Kenny has the title. And like the only way for Cody to really get rid of that stipulation is to be a heels like, yeah, I'm an EVP. I'm getting rid of it. Like, <laughs> you know, they'd have to come up with some creative way to do it. So I don't know. I think it's becoming more of a crutch now. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, we love Cody. Cody's great. But it's been a up and down four or five months for him. Uh, story, story wise. I, I don't. I agree with most of what you're saying. I do. There have been some things that I've liked that he's done in the interim since dropping the title. I really enjoyed um, his little mini feud with QT Marshall. And I thought the payoff match on dynamite was really enjoyable. Um, so there have been things that have been good. Um, this was just a miss. And I think it's hard to get past that in the moment. Give it two weeks. We might be really thrilled with what he's doing. He's a really talented performer. He can cut one hell of a promo. Uh, I think we've learned that he probably should not have a future in politics. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, in case we didn't already know that, which I think most of us probably did. Um, but yeah, and I don't think we need to belabor the point anymore. Let's move on to Miro and Lance Archer for the TNT Championship. Mike, we both picked Miro to retain, and Miro did, in fact, retain. But there were moments in this match where I wasn't sure he was gonna. Uh, they did a great job, and I think we saw the greatest choke slam I have ever seen <laughs> in this match. Miro is so freaking athletic and to see a guy his size elevate that much for a choke slam was my favorite moment of the entire match. It was incredible. Yeah, I just looked up looked it up. My god. Like <laughs> he got he was fully extended up on uh Archer's arm there. And sometimes with a choke slam you don't see like a great impact. Freaking, he got drilled into the grounds, man. Yeah, <laughs> like, they went for it. it. They absolutely yeah. went for it. 
Yeah, this was fun. This was one of the shorter matches on the card, but it was like nine minutes of just them beating the hell out of each other, which is what you want. And then Miro threw a snake. <laughs> so <laughs> I have no. I'm complaints sure what about he threw this. was a bean bag. But I know, you know, I know, I know. He didn't actually throw the snake, but um, yeah, man, <laughs> I, th- this this was fun. It, it didn't need to be more than this. Uh, it was a good kind of for mini feud for Miro to kick off his championship. I know he defeated Dante Martin, but you know, this was, this was really his first big one. And um, yeah, I, I, I think he's going to be a, a good, good, good holder of that team championship. Cause you know, he can work week in, week out. We've seen it. Um, where does Lance Archer go from here? I don't know, man. We, How many times have we asked ourselves this question? Like, yeah. What's next for Lance Archer? What do you do with Lance Archer? He's huge. He's imposing. You have to take him seriously just because of his sheer physical size. But I can't think of a single high profile match that he's won. Not one. And like he's been in the company long enough. Like he was in the inaugural TNT championship tournament. Mm-hmm. He was in the finals. Yeah. He lost. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, it, it's it's a bummer, and I just don't really know who they could, what he can do. Like m- my idea would be like team him with like a smaller guy and just have them kind of be this fun the tag classic team, big guy, small guy tag team. Yeah, yeah, and then and like if you put him with the, I don't, I'm I'm just trying to think names off the top of my head, but if if the team worked, like yeah, you could see him being a big enough guy to say, yeah, we can put a title on him in the tag division. But like his singles credibility is kind of shot right now, which is, which is a bummer. Um, you know, if, if there's another tournament at any time over the summer, maybe that's how you build him back up by having him win that tournament. But like, is, he's already lost to Miro. He's not going to beat Kenny. Like it's just, it's yeah, it's a tough, it's a tough spot. I, I don't know how, what they do with him. And I'm, I'm kind of, I'm kind of tired of asking the question too. Yeah. It's been, it's been a tough road. Also like I'm done with Jake Roberts as an on-screen character. Yeah. I, I can't remember the last time he cut a promo that was worth two shits and I'm not, excited like lance can talk yeah let lance get on the microphone and talk because mostly i'm just confused when jake roberts is talking i don't know what he's talking about i don't Mm -hmm. know what his angle is and i'm not sure that what he's saying actually supports the guy whose corner he's ostensibly in so i don't know i don't need him if he wants to be around backstage and offer advice and be that veteran presence, um, I think there's a lot of value in that for a young company. Uh, mm-hmm. But I don't think he's adding much as an on-screen character. Yeah, I think he was a bigger deal when he debuted because it was still pretty early on in AW's history. They needed names that had some, you know, fame well, his behind early it. Promos, some of those great. early promos yeah. were great, especially before. Lance Archer debuted like Mm -hmm. Lance Archer's introduction was so good. And that's part of what's so frustrating about his track record within the company is it just doesn't line up with like Mm -hmm. they made him a big deal 
when he debuted. They made us believe he was going to be a big deal. And he has been anything but a big deal across his tenure. And, And that's a shame because we've seen what he can do from his time in New Japan. Killer Elite Squad was a really, really fun tag team to watch with Davy Boy Smith Jr. Uh, and, you know, I just want to see that version of Lance Archer again. And I yeah. want him to be someone that people are afraid of. Um, and you should walk out of a match with Lance Archer with injuries. You know, <laughs> whether you win the match or you lose the match, you should be affected the next week you should come out with your shoulder wrapped and your waist wrapped and you know hobble around a little bit like there should be signs that you went to war with lance archer and that's missing right now yeah yeah all right well joel let's uh let's move on because we still got god four matches on the card left to cover yeah four more to talk Um, about so next up is the aew women's championship hikaru shida Versus Britt Baker. Britt Baker winning, becoming the new AEW Women's Champion. Uh, we both picked this. This is a great match, and the right person won. Yeah, yeah. I I kind of expected better. Like, it was good. I, I really, I like, I enjoyed it. But I guess, I don't know if I set my expectations too high. Um because I, I didn't leave this match thinking, yeah, that was one of the best matches of the night. Um, but aside from my personal feelings, this was, you know, we, we we were pretty honed in that this belt was going to leave with Britt Baker here. Um, first, my, my first impression of this match, I loved the contrasting ring gear. We saw it with the Blood and Guts match a few weeks ago, but even tonight, you know, Sheeta and all white and Dr. Baker and the red and black with like the blood dripping um, like pattern on it. I thought that was really cool. I thought it was a good uh, visual and yeah, I, I mean the right person won the match was good and, and Shivani gave the hug to Brit like you said he would. So all in all this moves the women's direction, the women's division in a direction, uh, a new direction that honestly I think it's needed. Um, I know yeah. we, we were talking about, we wanted, we didn't, weren't clamoring for Sheeta to lose, but to have a dominant speaker with the championship belt, like a heel, like Nyla Rose is a, was fine. She wasn't a a master on the mic. So this is really the first women's champion that you can put on the mic and say, give us 10 minutes and just go. And I think that's exciting for what, uh, for moving forward. Well, I think Britt Baker is the biggest star the women's division has produced. And so it makes sense for Britt Baker as the biggest star to hold the belt. So, you know, we're in a good spot here. I actually really loved the match. I thought it was great. Um, There were some really cool spots, some clever stuff that I liked. I loved when um, Rebel accidentally hit Britt with the crutch. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there were multiple moments like that where it didn't quite go the way that you expected. And, you know, we see these people go out and wrestle in matches week in and week out, and you kind of get a feel for the rhythm of a Britt Baker match, the rhythm of a Hikaru Shida match, and you know what to expect when those two are in the ring together. And I think that some of the spots in this match really defied those expectations. I loved the multiple different ways that 
Sheeta went for the stretch muffler for that submission. And the counter wrestling was on display here in a big way. We saw Britt go for the lockjaw multiple times mm-hmm. and even really early on in the match go for it and not be able to get it. And then when she finally locked it in, that payoff of Sheeta tapping and tapping almost immediately, yep. which I love, just absolutely put over Britt Baker and this finisher as being completely devastating. So I think we're in a really, really good place with Britt Baker as champion. Um, Hikaru Shida had an amazing run. I'm really glad that she got to close out her run in front of a live audience, given that, you know, the entire time that she was champion, they were at limited capacity or no capacity at all. So uh, just a, a beautiful way to conclude her championship run and pass the torch to the next person who's going to carry this belt and continue to build this division. I think, you know, we're poised for more growth in the women's division than we are in any other facet of AEW. And Britt Baker is the person that you want um, carrying those feuds for the title, building up new talent and telling stories that we want to see play out on television. Yeah, yeah. Um, I agree about the submitting right away. I was I was worried that they was gonna do another like baby face passing out, which we've seen twice <laughs> with uh uh Darby Allen and then with um Archer tonight. So I'm glad that that didn't happen. I'm glad it was like a quick, yep, dominant move, gonna tap the hell out. Um and yeah, yeah, I, I I'm really excited to see what Sheeta does here too. I know we're talking about what uh, women's division with Bray Baker at the top, but you know, she, she does an amazing talent and you can put her into any feud on the women's division or any match. And you know, it's going to be great, you know, with Rio uh, being full-time in America now, maybe that leads to more stuff for them to do together. So yeah, women's divisions, it, it's exciting. The next, the next year is going to be really, really, really fun. Um, All right. Uh, next up we have, Sting's in-ring debut with AEW, tag teaming with Darby Allen against Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky. Uh, Sting and Darby got the win after we both pitched Page and Sky, so shows how much we know. And uh, <laughs> my big takeaway from this was, like, holy shit, Sting is 62 years old, and he can still go. Yeah, man. I think we now know why the match with the Undertaker never happened. I think Undertaker was worried he wouldn't be able to keep up. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like Sting looked great here, man. Like, uh, he no sold that uh that suplex, and then just the moment where he <laughs> was right behind Sky, threw him off, then ripped off his shirt. One, I wish I looked that good now, let alone <laughs> at sixty or whatever he is. Um, and. When he leapt, I know it wasn't that high, but still, dude, he's what? He's old as hell, and he's diving he's off 62 of 62 years old. Yeah, 62 years old, dove off the stage. Like, it was awesome, man. And it, it fit the script, you know? Darby Allen wrestled the majority of this match, but Sting was in there doing stuff, man. So I, I was, I'm very happy with this. This is, it, it reminds, it, you know, we had that Ronda Rousey match at Mania a few years ago. It's like, I don't know how this is going to go and end up being like one of the more fun 
and exciting matches on the card. And that's how I, I get the same vibes from this. Like I didn't really expect much from Sting and I and I left being feeling pretty happy. And and this obviously we wanted the heels to win because that'd be a big win for these two guys. But as the match went on and I saw Sting doing his thing, I was like, you know what? I'm happy with this. That's the the mark in me was rooting for the icon. And in terms of the heels getting their heat, I mean, Ethan Page did beat the absolute shit out of Darby <laughs> Allen in this match. Yeah. Uh, I mean, every time you turned around, Darby was getting thrown into something by Ethan Page, who just had a maniacal look on his face the entire time. And I think the two of them can kind of spin off out of this and, and do some singles stuff, continue to tell that story. Um, uh, but this was just a really good, really fun match. This was uh, pure sugar um, after eating our our entree, our vegetables and our meat and potatoes with the two championship matches that we had before this one. And, you know, those were good in their own way and we needed that. But this was that absolute sugar rush that I think we all wanted. And it really picked the crowd back up going mm-hmm. into the um, Omega, the Orange matches. Cassidy, and yep. Pac match. So um, I don't have a ton to say about this. Um, there is one spot that really stood out to me, which was Sting had uh, Scorpio Sky, in, or sorry, had Ethan Page in a Scorpion <laughs> Deathlock. And uh, then Scorpio Sky put a heel hook on Darby Allen, And so the two of them were kind of face-to-face in submission holds in the middle of the ring and then started smacking each other in the face. And it was just fantastic. It's like, we're both in excruciating pain right now, suffering these submission holds, (laughs) but Uh, but we hate each other so much. (laughs) We're still going to hit each other in the face. And I just love that. Yeah. Yeah. That was amazing. And then also too, just like, um, Ethan page is listed at six, two. And so is sting. And I don't think that's far off. Like Ethan Page is a big guy. I think I f- keep forgetting how big he is. Um, yeah. And standing up next to a guy like Sting, who was a 80s wrestling legend where you had to be, you know, decently sized. Like he was still smaller than like Hulk Hogan, but he was still big. So the fact that Ethan Page like stood up to him face to face, I thought was a, a good, good test. So, yeah, let's let's move on here, Joel. Uh the triple threat main event. We sorry. The main event main in events. my heart. <laughs> yeah, in my heart, in my eyes. Uh Kenny Omega defeated Pac and Orange Cassidy. And God, I just love triple threats. Like the when they were just when when Cassidy uh threw back, uh Pac out of the ring after the black arrow. I legit thought I'm like, oh my god, Cassidy's gonna do this. There um, were so many times in this match that I yeah. thought Cassidy was gonna get the win. They yeah. got me so many times. Like, yep. I, I don't. I think I'm gonna have trust issues after this match. Like, it was, <laughs> it was fantastic. Um, I, I loved the booking. Uh, Kenny Omega was giving me major Gene Wilder vibes from Willy Wonka and Young Frankenstein with like the crazy eyes that he had and just this manic look as he was doing everything in the ring. And, you know, he's got that kind of curly hair and was just, you know, running around like a crazy person. And I loved it. It, it was so much fun. And I hope that 
we get many more triple threat championship matches in AEW moving forward. It was nice that they waited a long time for this first one because it felt mm-hmm. special and different and exciting. Uh, but now, you know, the toothpaste is out of the tube and uh, we could just keep doing this because it's great. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's a reason this is my favorite, like, type of match. It, it was so much fun. And just some of the spots here that stood out to me. Uh, when Orange Cassidy had Omega pins and Omega was, like, beginning to do the the bridge out of the pin and then Pac just hits this 450 splash. I don't know how that doesn't hurt. Like, like Kenny was literally feet on the ground, like stomach and back arched up. And you just had this maniac come crashing through you. Um, there's that avalanche release German suplex that Pat hit on Kenny, where he did like the full flip rotation and landed on his stomach. Uh, God, or Cassidy pushed Pac out of the way off an Irish whip so he could hit Omega with a move. Like, I kind of love them, like, trading off on there, trying to get their their spots in. So th- this was super fun. This was my favorite match of the night. And I love that this um, hands in pockets as a counter is yep. becoming a trend with Orange mm-hmm. Cassidy. We had Omega going for the Avalanche Dragon Suplex, and Orange Cassidy counters out of it by stuffing his hands in his pockets. And it's like, that wouldn't do a damn thing. But okay, I yeah. accept this because it's Orange Cassidy and I don't care. So uh, lots of I, really I, fun stuff. We got a good classic Orange Cassidy segment in this match of just doing a ton of really impressive shit with his hands in his pockets. Mm-hmm. And uh, really, what more do you need? Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm gonna keep talking about some of these spots, man. I love when I love when Cassidy started doing the soft kicks, and then immediately packs like no, and just kicks him straight in the balls. <laughs> like, <laughs> like no, 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 we're not doing this. Um, I love the throwback of Pack locking in the brutalizer from the One Winged Angel. Um, a callback to their match at All Out uh, a few years ago, and uh, I loved. Did you hear Callis screaming shit, shit on commentary? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, man. Don Callis was, was great tonight. <laughs> yes. He was really, yes, really was. good. Um, I, and then I liked uh, um, Omega hitting Pac with every championship belt that he had. <laughs> yeah. Which is four. Yes. Yes. Um, and also, I, I liked the finish. I liked how they were cheating throughout the match, but the finish was still clean. And I liked that Omega had to result to a roll up, like a quick, quick roll up after a pen attempt to get the win. Like Kenny was desperate. And I liked that he won't act it. He won't sound desperate when he talks, but in the moment in the match, Cassidy can say, I got you to the point where you needed that to beat me. Like, well, it it feels like such a simple formula, right? Like, you don't get any heat on the heel if the heel cheats to win. You just don't, right? The heat goes on the booking because we're smart. We understand and we feel robbed. But when you have a heel cheat throughout the match, but win clean, right? The finish is clean. Mm -hmm. The heel gets heat. And we like the booking because we got a clean finish. And it's just so simple. And I don't get how... The other wrestling company does not understand that because like, good God, how long have you been doing this? And you don't understand like how the fans have changed and 
how the landscape has changed and that we're just never going to be satisfied with somebody cheating to win a main event pay-per-view match. It's never going to be satisfying. And we're not mad at the talent. We're mad at you. Yeah. Yeah. So this, this was, this was a great match. Um, And Joel, we, Cassidy was the one who was pinned. So we have a very easy way for Pac to say, Hey, I had you with the brutalizer again. If it wasn't for Cassidy, you would have passed out again. So give us that match in a few weeks. Like, one-on-one on Dynamite. Let's have some fun. Let's have Pac and Jungle Boy have a match. Oh, you know, God. Pac's like, I want a rematch. And Jungle Boy's like, I'm next in line. Like, mm-hmm. let's have that happen. And then give Jungle Boy a big win to kind of elevate him up to that Kenny Omega level. Jungle yeah. Boy beating Pac would be one of the biggest wins of his career. Yep. Yep. And it would make his eventual loss to Kenny not feel as painful. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. All right, Joel. All right. Ready for the actual Let's main event? Let's get into it. Yeah. Final match of the night. I will not call this the main event. The final match of the night. <laughs> Stadium Stampede, Inner Circle versus the Pinnacle. Or rather than calling it Stadium Stampede, how about a series of short interactions between characters? Yeah. Didn't it seem last year like it was more of a like, yeah, they cut to different parts, but this just felt like Hey, we're going to put you in five separate, four separate areas. You're going to have your own mini street fight. And then that's it. Like you, you like the, I don't know. You got more like teammates working together last year, but this was really like four individual matches in this stampede match. Um, this match felt like a robot chicken episode. Yes. Yes. The like, cuts, the cuts, the cuts, it, you know, each individual thing was enjoyable there was fun stuff there was stuff to like but it just kept cutting from one section to another section all of it was disconnected and disjointed Mm -hmm. and there didn't seem to be a clear through line of the match it was almost like we were seeing each of the individual rivalries between these groups play out but not play out in the same match play out in a series of mini matches Uh, that we just cut back and forth between. I liked a lot of the stuff they did. I thought it was really fun and creative. I love the nightclub scene between uh, FTR and Proud and Powerful. I really liked the uh, Sean Spears and Sammy Guevara stuff. I thought that was super fun. Um, Some of the stuff between Chris Jericho and MJF was fun. Um, So, I mean, there was a lot to like, but I don't know. I just... Well, here's I, I the had thing a hard too. time caring. Well, well, here's the thing too. Once we realized that these were going to be like segmented, you never cared about the ref because you knew, oh, we haven't seen FTR and Proud and Powerful yet. We haven't seen Sean Spears or Sammy Guevara yet. So all the big stuff, you're like, yeah, there's no reason to make a pen attempt now. Like, or if they did, like, it's not going to lose. Like the match isn't going to be over. So it really took a lot of the suspense out because then you had to be like, okay, this match can't end until we see all of them. What I liked about the first uh, Stadium Stampede match is that there was shit going on everywhere that, yeah, they would cut back and forth, but they were all within like shouting distance, (laughs) I felt, of each other. It literally felt like they were in different parts of the stadium. Um, So, yeah, you know, it is what it is. Uh, yeah, my favorite part was the shots of vodka before they fought. <laughs> like, I thought that was really cool. Uh, I love Conan. 
being there. My dude. Yep. That was fun. <laughs> Having some that was WCW really fun. flashbacks. Um, the staple to the forehead was pretty gnarly. Um, and then uh, Sammy running someone over with a car. It's like, bring it back to last year. So, um, but yeah, it, did it feel also a little anticlimactic too? Like, it, I don't think both teams were really at ringside yet. Like, it just kind of ended. Yeah, it did feel like it ended pretty suddenly. I like that Sean Spears and Sammy Guevara got the finish. I thought that was cool. Uh, but yeah, I mean, there, there definitely could have been a little bit more cohesion in this match in general. I think my favorite thing was Sean Spears going through various items and seeming like he was going to settle on the bolt cutters and, and commentary freaking out and being like, oh God, no. And then he just kind of chucks the bolt cutters up in the air and, and pulls up the chair. And it's like, yeah, of course, because he's the chairman. He's got to use the chair. But then the bolt cutters factored back in later on in the match because that's how Sammy Guevara got free after being handcuffed. So, you know, there's just a lot of fun stuff. All right, guys, with that being said, that's our AEW Double Nothing reaction show. Thanks for joining us. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at The Other Wrestling Show. Twitter at OWS underscore pod. You can get the podcast on Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. There we are. You can also find our, can email us at the other wrestling show at gmail.com. And yeah, hope you enjoyed the show. Hope you enjoyed Double or Nothing. And we'll be back with our Dynamite reaction shows this week. And join the Dark Order. Remember, everybody, life's a work. Duck the clothesline. And happy wrestling. Bye.